All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk Michigan College Football Playoff Edition. Jeff here. Dan, what's up, dude? What's going on, man? I see your face. It's been a couple weeks, and, yeah. uh, you know, as, as much as we look forward to the, the football season, man, it's over in a heartbeat, and we're on a, the, the last chapter here, and it would be nice to see another W uh, on come Friday. Yeah. You know, I... uh. I was actually just talking to somebody at work about this. It's like life over the last, let's just say since Thanksgiving, um, when Michigan beat Ohio State in what was a, a, f- a fantastic win for our fan base and for our university. It's just like life's been different. You know, there I haven't heard as much trash talk from the Ohio State fan base. I haven't heard, you know, as much um, as much like just like. I don't even know, just harping on Michigan at this time of the year, you know, the whole, when are you guys going to fire Jim Harbaugh or this or that, you know, it's been a lot of positives and I wear Michigan quite often. It's just, you know, it's part of my everyday wardrobe, but uh, I've been getting a lot of go blues lately and it's just, it's a really good um, uplifting time as a Michigan fan. Have you, have you experienced like some different, uh, different vibes this time of the year? Or do you think just in, in, in your opinion, is the energy high? Um. <clears throat> My overall mood has been 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 pretty positive. I, to be honest, I haven't really in my daily life. I I, I run into I, I work with a lot of Ohio State fans, and whether we win or lose, I don't really catch a lot of flack per se. Um, usually, because I really don't run my mouth, so it doesn't ever bite me in the ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Ohio State fans talking smack, I mean, I wouldn't say they're really. There's not too much of that. However, if you go on Twitter, you can find yourself in a rabbit hole of uh, some bickering going on. But um, other than that, man, life's been pretty good. And you know, uh, kind of like how I said when we when I uh, when I made the, the indie trip, uh, that was uh, an amazing experience. And you know, I still still living off of uh, memories from that. But but yeah, I mean, it's been pretty positive. Like I said, I had a good holiday with the, the family. And, you know, I'll, I'll be at the Orange Bowl uh, this weekend. So <clears throat> a lot to look forward to. Yeah. So Michigan over the last uh, couple of weeks has, you know, obviously they're preparing for, for Georgia and this college football playoff, their first appearance um, since it started back in 2014. But uh, one of the things that they've had to adjust to is just the recruiting during this time period. And, and you can't take your foot off the gas and, it's something I figured we'd open up this podcast with. Uh, Michigan was able to get um, some great names and, and some big time players that are gonna they're they're gonna be impact players here in the next couple of years. You know, we uh, obviously um, we're trying to find our next Aiden Hutchinson, our next you know Dax Hill, our next Hassan Haskins, Blake Quorum. Um, any uh, any impact players that you see right away? Anything that you want to touch on here? Well, definitely the, the the win versus Ohio State paid immediate dividends uh, with, with this class. They finished eighth, uh, according to Rivals.com, and it's already setting up 2023 to be a, a good class as well. They're already in, a, I think they're eighth right now with like four or five commits. But with this one, they they scored big on on signing on early signing day, and the let's see the last one, two, three, four, the last five commits were really uh, in part of that Ohio State win and winning the Big Ten championship game. 
you know, uh, Alex Orgy, he's like an athlete quarterback from Texas, and he was committed to Virginia Tech. And when uh, when that Michigan Conference Championship happened in that, uh, that Ohio State game that I just mentioned, that flipped him. Uh, Keon Sab, who they got from Brayton, Florida, they got they landed him. Darius Clements from Portland, Oregon, got him. Uh, Derek Moore, which is a is a four star defensive lineman from Maryland, that dude's an absolute monster. How he's not a five star player? I mean, I, you have to be pretty special to be a five star, I think, and certain to be rated by certain websites. But th- that's a huge get. And what they did in this whole class overall was really attack the linebacker and defensive back and with obviously losing Aiden Hutchinson and, and possibly Ojabo to the NFL this uh, coming up spring they're going to really have a lot of holes to fill and so this is one step in the right direction and obviously going forward we want to see Michigan continue to be a threat to Ohio State to get to Indy and uh, I think they did a very very good job here uh, and then with uh, in recent news, they got a Remington finalist uh, from Virginia to transfer over to essentially take over Andrew Vastardis' center position role uh, in uh, 2023, or excuse me, 2022. Um, the name is uh, Ola Shagun. Uh, nice little mouthful there. But yeah, uh, yeah he was, he was the, the Remington uh, finalist for the best center in the country this past season. And uh, so that is a uh, six foot three, 310 pounder that is going to find an immediate uh, contention for the, that role. Real quick. Yeah. To, just to piggyback on that. So um, obviously Andrew is a great player. Uh, he's been uh, a core piece of this offensive line this year, but per PFF grades across the board, both pass blocking and run blocking, he would be considered an upgrade. So, <laughs> I mean, right. this, this is a big get. And then, obviously, the the recruitment and the flip of Andrew Gentry. Um, yeah. I mean, 6'8", 310 pounds. Uh, just absolute beast of an offensive tackle. Uh, you know, the depth chart's supposed to be pretty deep next year with a lot of seniors projected to start. So, these, I mean, it, this is a... This was a monster offensive line this year. It's going to be another off, uh, monster offensive line next year with with obviously the running backs that we um, have now, minus probably Hassan Haskins, which we'll we'll talk about departures at another time. But um, what do you think about the Will Johnson? Obviously, that's one that's pretty much I don't want to say it's been in the bag, but um, he was pro- the top recruit that we were projected to to land this off season, and and they ended up uh, securing him and. I mean, some some websites had him as a five star. I think currently he's sitting at a four. I mean, he's he's right there on the on the cusp. But great player. What's your what's your overall impact of Will Johnson? Well, that this is a huge kid. According to rivals, he is uh, a five star, and out of his position, he is number four uh, and twenty six nationally. Um, I mean, he had thirty one offers. Ohio State recruited him. Penn State yeah. recruited him. Oklahoma recruited him. And that's been kind of uh, kind of a thorn in Michigan's side the last few seasons is uh, Michigan players, uh, the state of Michigan players, uh, jumping down to Columbus. And, you know, you think of uh, uh, the running back for Ohio State a few years ago, Mike Weber. You know, he Weber. Was a fi- yeah, he was a five-star running back, was going to Michigan, and then last second backed out and went to Ohio State. And so that, 
that kind of spurned uh, and ruffled some feathers in Ann Arbor. So keeping Will Johnson in state and going to Michigan is, is, is phenomenal. And so, yeah, I think it's a phenomenal get. But like I said, they, they really went after these DBs, and that's exactly what we're going to need, especially losing, you know, Hawkins and Dax Hill. And so a lot of shoes to fill. And now this is going to be where Jim Harbaugh is going to have to um, really prove – uh, again, next season, that uh, new faces and, you know, projecting forward. Yeah, you definitely have to carry the momentum <laughs> of where the program is at right now. And obviously, we, we don't know the outcome of either Friday's game or potentially beyond. But um, you can't lay an egg and you can't you can't derail this momentum that they. They've worked really hard to build on, so. Uh, let's go ahead and talk some bowl games, you know, we. We uh, had our Big Ten preview, and then we had our, I think in the same episode, we did our awards of the season and stuff. But one thing we kind of stayed away from was the Georgia talk. And we're here to talk Georgia. We're here to talk Michigan. We're here to talk a little bit of Alabama, a little bit of Cincy. But I want to start off with actually the Rose Bowl. Uh, Utah Utah and uh, Ohio State going to do battle. It's pretty much already come out that Ohio State's top receivers, both Gary Wilson and Chris Olave, they're not going to play. Um, I think there's some other players that have already decided to sit out too. This is a topic that we have touched on so many times, both when defending Jim Harbaugh and just both talking about bowl season, that if you're not in a college football playoffs, you you sit out. It's just what it is if you're going to the draft. The one thing that I actually put out a personal podcast uh, probably like two or so weeks ago where I did probably like a 10 minute clip on just the Rose bowl. Speaking about just the Rose bowl as, as a whole, I thought that that, that bowl game carried enough, carried enough weight and carried enough prestige and carried enough tradition that players wouldn't sit out of it. And for the most part, we haven't seen that yet. Um, Ohio state, obviously breaking that mold and they're going to sit out, but overall, what are your opinions on college bowl season and also the Rose bowl, as far as holding any sort of tradition, prestige, honor, um, you know what I mean there? Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that these players, I mean, you know, Ohio state and Michigan have always, have always viewed the Rose bowl as, you know, the epitome of a great season and to see two uh nfl wide receivers on ohio state's offense now sitting out you know it's uh it's unfortunate you know aiden hutchinson on michigan's side you know said that even if they weren't in the college football playoff that you know he would never leave his team and you know i understand players uh want to protect themselves and we like i said we've talked about that before you know J- uh, jake butt tearing his acl twice and uh, really, that honestly probably affected his NFL career for, for, I mean, forever. I mean, he's not in the NFL anymore. And, it, you know, if he didn't tear his ACL, so, you know, who, you know, I mean, Noah Fant might not be on the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, with the college football playoff being only at four teams, uh, if they move to eight or 12, I think it'll help a little bit. I think you're still just going to see the same thing. I think you'll see players going to gonna skip out. And 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 uh, and focus on the NFL. You know, it, and again, you know, my 
my take on it is can you really criticize head coaches now if they do lose a game? So if Ryan Day loses against the Utah Utes, I mean, can you really can you really um can you hold it against him? Can you can, can you, you blame him? Can you really yeah, can you be too critical against him for that? I mean I mean Jackson Smith Jackson Smith and Jigba's still playing and Ohio State has still probably got the better talent overall. But if Utah upsets Ohio State here, I mean, I mean, really can uh, again, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just definitely very odd. And I would, as an Ohio State fan, I see my players backing out of this. I, I'd be kind of upset. I'd still try to understand again that whole the next level thing and protecting themselves. But it definitely doesn't sit right with me. And you know, it makes you wonder what college football is going to look like in four or five years. As a Michigan fan, in my opinion, this is good news. Um, I think this is a little bit of a, a culture thing, and maybe I'm overstepping. I don't think I am. In my opinion, because I've heard this out of Ohio State fans' mouth too. This is not me just just creating this, but um, you know, when I when I was trying to push the narrative that the Rose Bowl still meant something, an Ohio State fan told me, "No, it's just simply." the fact that Ohio state wants to go out <sighs> revenging a loss to Michigan. They don't want to end their season with a loss to Michigan. So Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to end their careers with an ass kicking in Ann Arbor. Is that that's they're okay with that. It, in my opinion, that's great news for Michigan. Uh, Ohio state has kind of reverse course. You know, they, they have always said that they kind of take their program more seriously than we take our program, but yet, um, failure is uh is accepted there. I guess it, it, I don't know. I I I could see it a lot of different ways. I I think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. First off, I've been on the record saying Garrett Wilson's the best Ohio State Buckeye um, for the last two seasons. I thought he was the best player on their team. Uh, I think he'll be a hell of an NFL talent. Uh, I think Chris Olave will be great too. I, but I think this is this is big news for Michigan fans. I think this is something that you know. We keep our momentum. We, we we carry through in this college football playoffs. And you go into next season, you just create a different swagger continuously every year um, that we're superior. Because for the right. longest time, we thought we were. And Ohio State humbled Michigan for, gosh, I mean, 20 years, you know, um, in the last 10. So, yeah, I think overall, this is it's an interesting thing regardless. Um I thought Utah definitely had a chance to win the game before all this. And now with the opouts, I think they are, uh, I wouldn't say <laughs> favorites, but um, I would no longer be shocked with an upset. I wasn't going to be shocked regardless. I thought Utah actually matches up pretty well with them just defensively. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about this. Do you have a prediction for the game without go? We're not going to go super deep on it, but do you think Ohio state wins this or do you think Utah or what's your, what's your opinion here? Uh, I think this is kind of a toss up. Uh, you know, it it's the spread's only four and a half. Uh, Ohio State's still it's come down. Um, as if Utah wins, to be quite honest with you, you know, they blew out Oregon twice, and Oregon is one of, is one of the two teams to give Ohio State the loss this year. You know, U- Utah is riding with momentum right now. They've Done a, they put a good season together. And so if Utah wins by three points, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State wins by 10. I wouldn't be surprised. I think mean, this is kind of a toss-up. And, and, and you know, I again, I don't know 
I mean, is this going to if – if Ohio State loses, I mean, does that hurt – do you think that hurts recruiting? Um, I feel yes. like, I feel yes, like I winning do. a bowl game, winning your last game or at least winning your conference championship, you want to have some momentum going into the offseason. Absolutely. And if Ohio State loses two games in a row, man, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they they prepare for 2022, to be honest with you, especially Ryan Day now um, with a little uh, chip on his shoulder. The thing that I've been um, – when I talk about the college bowl season, the one thing that I've always been somewhat supportive of it is it's very unique. It's – college football is unique in so many ways. It has so many different uniqueness, uniquenesses to it. But the two that set it apart, in my opinion, and both one's good and one's bad um, – one is there's no such thing as a Cinderella. There's no Cinderella story in college football. Okay, it's impossible to have one. Um, you could argue Cincinnati is the only Cinderella story we've had in college football in probably its entire history. You could argue that. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily consider them a Cinderella, but it's definitely arguable. But outside of them, literally you can't come up with another one. There's just They don't exist. So... It's very unique in that sense because a lot of times it's only two teams this year. It's four, and it's been four for a couple of years. And until they really start to create some diversity and get this thing to 12 or 16 teams, in my opinion, a Cinderella is not going to exist. Cincinnati's undefeated. It's hard to really call them a Cinderella. But back to my main point, college football is the only sport in America where the top – I don't even know how many schools make a, a bowl, bowl. It's a lot. It's probably, what is there a hundred? Is there 50 bowls? Is there 30 bowls? Like how many bowl games are there roughly? It's probably a little like 40 or something, a little over 40. Let's just, let's even downsize and say 25 bowl games, which makes 50 teams. Okay. In college football, 50 teams are going to play for a chance to end their season with a win. 25 of them will end their season with a win. That is very unique. Not a lot of te- not there's there's not other sports that can say twenty five teams ended their season on a winning side. It's very unique that college football does that with the Bulls. If you think about it this way, college basketball, there's sixty four teams that make the college the college basketball March Madness tournament. Right, one of them, one team is going to end their season with a win. Sixty three are going to take a loss. It's just it's a very you know the NFL the top. What is it now? 14 teams will get into the playoffs. Only one's going to end their season with a win. It's just not. It's not uh, traditional. College football does that. So it's it's very good to build off of. And that's one of the things that we've talked about is the importance of winning that last game. If you're not going to beat Ohio State, you got to win that bowl game. But it's like, well, now these players are sitting out. So it's just it's really it's become almost a mute point. Right. Yeah, sorry, real quick. Um, the the twenty twenty uh, Citrus Bowl between Michigan and Alabama, uh, Michigan was um, was nine and three, and they could have finished the season with ten wins and a and a and a W versus a pretty pretty solid Bama team. They had Mac Jones. He was he was on, I think the first year starting that that season, and he that was yeah okay, and and that was a game where. Uh, was was crucial for U of M, especially because again that momentum going in the offseason. If they win that, you know, uh, 
a win over Bama, whether it's for a playoff game or not, that is a nice W for Jim Harbaugh. And that probably would have been at that time considered a signature win for him. And, you know, they, they, they crumble in the second half and then, and then it looks like kind of a blowout game. And so if, if something similar like that happens to Ohio state, you know, that could, that could really ruin, uh, really ruin a Buckeye fan's day to be honest with you yeah I, th- I think that's time will tell I mean Ohio State has every ability even in a blowout let's say Utah blows them out they have every ability to come into next year hell on wheels just blowing through everybody they have that ability they are that type of program but I do think it's a negative thing that if their, if their season ends with another loss and their players are okay with going out with losses. I think that's that that's where your program is, and I, I think that's bad news. Do I think ultimately it's going to be the turning point of Ohio State? No, I don't. I don't think that Michigan beating Ohio State last month was even the turning point. I think that Ohio State still has a lot to uh, a lot to hang their head on, and I think they'll come back stronger next year. And Michigan has their work cut out for them to to create a win streak. Um. Let's talk college football playoffs, though. But enough of this. Enough of these mediocre bowl games. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's start with Alabama and Cincinnati. Uh, Alabama, uh, they suffer an early season loss to Texas A and M, and basically run the table, including just destroying Georgia in the SEC championship game. And they find themselves uh, as the number one seed heading into this thing which they are only one of two teams to win as the number one seed. Fun fact. Most team, most times the college football playoffs um, have not won as a one seed. So uh, then they're going to take on Cincinnati, who I've been a, a pretty good ad- advocate for now for about two years that they deserve to see. They deserve at least a chance to get into the college football playoffs. I was never like, oh, it needs to be Cincinnati. But in the right circumstance, this year included, the circumstances played out that they deserve to be in, especially when I think the fifth team, wherever Notre Dame finished, that was one of their wins. They beat one of the top ten teams in the country that people were, you know, uh, fighting to get in at the last minute there. So um, Cincinnati, I thought, deserved to be in, but I've also been on credit many, many times. That doesn't mean I think they're going to win. Um Alabama, I think, is favored by 13 and a half, which I am mind boggled. It's that low. <clears throat> so the the one thing I will point out is Cincinnati's last loss was in January of this year to Georgia in a game in which they led through three and a half quarters. Georgia took the lead late and since he wasn't able to get it back um, and they lost the game in Georgia, obviously, we, as we know. That's a team that Michigan's going to play this weekend. So I don't like to go too back, too far back and, and compare 2020 to 2021 because if we were doing that, Michigan doesn't even deserve to be in this conversation. That's how bad they were. So you have to look at it both ways. But I do think that Cincinnati is good enough to be here, deserves this spot. I just don't know that they're going to win. What is your opinion on, on Cincinnati getting in um, where they fit in this whole scheme? I'm right there with you. I think uh, they they definitely deserve to be here at at the four spot. And the way the rankings fell in, it was to their advantage. Like you just mentioned with Notre Dame being just outside it. 
and they took care of business against the, uh, the Irish. Um, so uh, Cincy has got a, a monumental task ahead of them. Uh, I'm, I'm still I, – I, I'm not really definitive in, in my opinion on this. Uh, this game could be really – I mean, in two ways, but we'll get to that in a second. But I, I think uh, Cincy definitely should be here, and they got a shot to, to really shock the world. And, you know, uh, as a Michigan fan, if we can get by Georgia, it'd be nice. I'd, I honestly, all four of these teams, these final four teams are good. But I'd, I, won't, I don't want to play I'd rather, but I'd rather play against the Bearcats than against the Crimson Tide at this point in the season. So um, Bearcats for the win, man. Yeah, so speaking of, I, I guess uh, what I don't want to go keys to victory or you know anything on this, but just give me your predictions. What do you, what do you think happens? What's the best case? Or, I mean, I guess go ahead and give your keys to victory for Cincinnati. We already know what Alabama <laughs> are, but um, what are your predictions on this game? Uh, like I just mentioned, it can go either two ways. I, this could this could be. Uh parallel to the Fiesta Bowl where Boise State upset Oklahoma. Or it could be where uh, Notre Dame and I want to say Notre Dame is comparison to a non-power five, but I mean, or this could you know end in a blowout. Uh, however, you know, Alabama right now is, is coming off a, a phenomenal game against Georgia. You know, Bryce Young in the last three games has, has passed for almost 1,300 yards. He's got 43 touchdowns and only four picks on the season. And the the question mark for Bama right now is, uh, you know, John Mechie, who tore his ACL against Georgia, is uh, 14 – or excuse me, 96 receptions, 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. So we yeah. need to see who's going to step up in that. A lot of the media and the fans are hoping Ja'Cory Brooks, the freshman – uh, comes up and, and, and fills that void. He uh, got the game-tying touchdown against uh, Auburn for overtime at the end of the year. Um, what I really look right now uh, for for Cincy is, can the offensive line slow up Will Anderson? You know, we've mentioned Will Anderson briefly uh, at the post-game of Iowa uh, because – Aiden Hutchinson made the Heisman runner-up. Will Anderson was not invited. And, of course, the the, the anti-Michigan fans are like, well, Will Anderson's got the better stats. But Will Anderson has showed up um, in some of the lesser key matchups rather than the, the, the highlighter games. Um, now, with Cincinnati, I think if they win – I think they are, they're going to need their defense to create turnovers. I, I think they need to run the ball. If Alabama makes uh, Cincinnati one-dimensional, that's obviously going to end, the, end this game quite, rather quickly. Um, and I feel like they can win if they don't get in a shootout. If they are going to play in a back-and-forth game against Bama, that is not going to work out in their favor at all. Uh, can Desmond Ritter use his legs to extend plays. He's got six rushing touchdowns on the season. He's got 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions through the air. They got Jerome Ford, who's got 19 touchdowns on the season. So he's uh, a proven back. Um, and my Bama keys are uh, if Bryce Young continues to Bryce Young. Again, 1,300 yards in the last three games. Freaking insane. 
uh, force uh, sissy into one dimension, which I uh, just uh, just mentioned. And again, as I alluded to in my opening statement, you know, someone's got to step up for uh, Mechie. Um, they outside of uh, John Mechie and I forget the other wide receiver that's on their team outside of the two top wide receivers. They spread the ball around, but outside of that, statistically, they don't really have anybody. It's Jameson so, Williams, by the way, the former Ohio State speedy receiver. Right. So, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, whether it's him or not, they definitely need that that that, uh, that second go-to. <clears throat> yeah, for, for me, Cincinnati, um, I think they can play with Alabama. I, I really do. I, I have a hard time thinking they're going to win or picking them to win, but I think they can play with them. And here's why looking over Ohio, Alabama's schedule. And I was, I mean, Alabama's one of those teams that when they're on, I watch them. Like I just, you know, cause they're obviously always a top three to five school in the country. Um, so they start off their season with, with Miami, they beat Miami, then they beat Mercer. Um, Miami, so it's 44, 13, and then 48, 14. Uh, then they play at Florida and they win 31, 29. So Florida was able to put up some points on them. Then they play Southern Mississippi. They win 63, 14 Mississippi state scored a couple points on them. Then they play Ole Miss 42, 21. So Ole Miss was able to score on them. Uh, then they go to Texas A&M and they lose 41, 38 A&M put up 38 on them. Uh, they go to Mississippi State. They destroy them 49 to 9. Okay, so Mississippi State didn't really score much. Tennessee, 52 24, 24 points put up on them. LSU, 20 to 14. That was more of a defensive matchup, but they were able to put 14 up. New Mexico State only put up three in a 59 3 loss. And then Arkansas, 42 35. Arkansas is not really a cream of the crop school. They're, they're, they were ranked for a good part, portion of the year, but nothing to, to write home about. 42 to 35. Arkansas was able to put up points in them. Then they go to Auburn. Auburn was not ranked at all. 24 22 in four overtimes. They had basically held Bama to nothing. And then obviously the last game of the year uh, against Georgia was 41 24. So my key to victory for Cincinnati, first off, this is my key to victory. Anybody playing Alabama, win the quarter. Don't worry about winning the game. Don't let it be over by the time the second quarter starts. Because in the Georgia game, it was. It was over at halftime. It, uh, all, all too often, what happens is you, you fall behind on Alabama, and they're off to the races all because they have such quick ability to score. You turn the ball over to st- your first possession, all of a sudden Bama scores on you. And it's seven nothing. Your demeanor has changed. Or let's say, hypothetically speaking, they get the ball first and score. And then you come out and you turn the ball over. You go three and out. And then they score again, 14 nothing. Game over. Just like that. Because against Alabama, you ain't coming back. You right. don't have Trevor Lawrence. You don't have Deshaun Watson, the only two quarterbacks that were able to, or, or um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott. The, the three times in the playoffs where that Alabama lost was to basically those guys, you know? So. Yeah. It's um, it's one of those things you 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 can't lose even a quarter. You got to win the quarter, and if you can win the quarter and you can put up points, you have a chance to win. I think they will look okay, but I think they'll lose. Um, Alabama doesn't have any keys to victory. It's play your game. You're way more talented than them by a lot. 
like right by a lot. I'm not sure that there's I'm gonna be nice. I don't know that there's two starters that could play for Alabama. I mean, there's just there probably isn't. So uh, they're way more talented. They're going to be schemed up. They're, they, got, they got Nick Saban. Even their <laughs> offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, has got head coaching experience. It's a mismatch nightmare for, for Cincinnati. I don't know that they have the defense to play with Alabama. It'll be interesting. If I had to guess, Alabama probably wins by, gosh, I don't know, 41-24, 45-24. I think Cincy will score. I just don't know that it will be a lot. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and it's crazy. As you were going through that schedule, too, I, I don't know. Did you notice that Arkansas game that Bryce Young had 559 passing yards? Wow. That's his, yeah, so that was that was part of that those those last three games when I mentioned 1,300 yards uh, through the air. Like, uh, yeah. he definitely, he's definitely at the peak right now. But, yeah, you know, Alabama, you know, like I said, I don't think Cincinnati needs to be getting into a shootout, per se. But Alabama uh, – since Nick Saban's been there, this isn't his best defense. And this, in terms, I, I don't know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to, I don't know what Alabama's scoring defense rank is because, you know, their defense has shown, has shined in a few games. Like they got in a, in a defensive battle versus LSU. They took, they shut out Miami, even though Miami, you know, didn't pan out. Um, and, you know, they, other than, I mean, the Auburn game, you know, say what you will, they, they, that was kind of a defensive battle too, but, it, they, at times they've kind of had some some games where they they, they probably gave up uh, too many points than they wanted to. The whole miss game was forty two twenty one, but I believe until halftime or maybe third quarter that was still uh, a winnable game for the the rebels. But either way, I mean, a good breakdown for them though for you, bud. But yeah, it, they definitely they definitely got their work out for them. Uh, that being Cincinnati. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think since he will be able to get some points, it's definitely not going to be one of those like 35-0. I I don't even remotely see Cincinnati getting shut out. I just don't think they'll be able to stop Alabama. I think that's the biggest point of point of uh, attention for me. The offensive line play, the defensive line play is going to be a lot for them and they're going to be just outmatched. Like for instance, obviously having having Mechie out, that's that's big, but Regardless, who's stopping Jamison Williams over the top? They don't have anyone. Like Cincinnati doesn't have somebody to do that. That's, I mean, they're gonna completely be on the shoulders of Desmond Ritter, and I just don't know that it's gonna result in forty-five points because, like you said, they don't want any part of a shootout. Um, it's time. A lot of people that listen to this are, are traditionally probably Michigan fans, but we have obviously some other ones that uh, tune in to see how bad the bias is, I'm sure. But uh, let, let's – obviously, if you listen to this pod, you, you know what Michigan's done. Let's talk about what Georgia's done to get here. Uh, they start the season off September 4th against Clemson. This one was in Charlotte, North Carolina, not necessarily a neutral site. It was at the Panthers field. But uh, they win 10-3. to uh, I believe it was a two versus three matchup at the time. I think Clemson was two and Georgia was three. So this was a uh, an interesting game, uh, defensive battle, and Georgia's only touchdown was actually a pick six in this game. So not a lot of offense. They come out the very next week and they destroy UAB, uh, 56-7. Uh, they come out the following week and they beat South Carolina, 40-13. to 
Vanderbilt, 62 to zero. Arkansas, 37 to zero. Auburn, 34 to 10. Kentucky, 30 to 13. Florida, 34 7. Missouri, 43 6. Tennessee, 41 17. Charleston Southern, 56 7. Georgia Tech, 45 0. Before we even get into the SEC championship game, is there a single game that I read off to you that you were like, oh, that's super impressive? Um, the one that stands out for me is the thirty-seven to zero to Arkansas. Yes, yeah, it's Arkansas, and you know, I I kind of wrote down this in my notes is um the best wins that Georgia had versus at the time were ranked opponents. Those teams finished the year the year eight, four, six, and seven, and nine and three, and that is uh you know Auburn, Kentucky, and and Arkansas. Arkansas finished eight, four, Auburn six and seven, and. Kentucky finished nine and three, so nine and three not too shabby, but that's Kentucky. Um, but yeah, anyways. Yeah, I just I don't see. Yeah, they 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 stopped everyone. I mean, the most points they had given up all year was seventeen to Tennessee, and they scored forty one in that game. So it's like their defense was really good, but nobody tested the defense. And then Alabama tested it. They were successful, 41-24, in Georgia's backyard, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium right there in downtown Atlanta. So I, the more that this game gets closer, and and Georgia's favored, I think it was up to 7.5. I'm not sure what it currently is. I'm not looking at it right now. Um, But the more that this game, the closer it gets – the better I feel um, <laughs> overall before we even get into keys to victory or game predictions, what is your general feeling of this game? Well, uh, you know, we kind of compared. Um, there was initially some comparisons on the style of play between those two teams. When we play Iowa, there's a slimmer comparison there, but we acknowledge that Iowa is was kind of like the war. I, I kind of made poked fun. at Iowa said they were like the Walmart version of our offense, but Georgia, they kind of do the same thing. I just, they just don't run the ball as well as the U of M does. Um, I'll, I'll mention this Michigan in the last three games are outscoring their opponents, 143 to 48. Okay. Outside the sec title game, Georgia has played one team with a winning record since October 30th. And that was the seven and five Tennessee volunteers team. Um, Sensen Bennett, the car, the quarterback that's supposed to be starting for Georgia. I mean, he he wasn't initial the initial starter. JT Daniels was. JT Daniels goes down hurt. Sensen Bennett gets those three consecutive ranked wins, and so he hasn't really given up that starting role yet. Um, I, I'm pretty confident that Michigan can win this. I, how this is a seven and a half point favorite. I, I think that really just is the the nod to Georgia's defense. I mean, you know, Georgia's defense um, is is riddled with four and five stars and some pretty good recruiting classes. Um, obviously, Bama, you know, probably has got a more explosive offense than Michigan does uh, in terms at least of passing. But, you know, I think this is a, a, a team that Michigan can match up well with, uh, you know, I'm trying to stay pretty level-headed. I think Michigan can can win this um, in similar fashion uh, like they did against Penn State. 
I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring matchup. And I think that uh, as long as Hutchinson and Ojabo do their thing, I think that Michigan's in pretty good shape. You know, Michigan's probably got the – I think they got the best offensive line in the country, and Georgia's got the best defensive line in the country. Uh, mm. You know, in, in, the, in, the mm. eyes of, in the eyes of most, okay, I think that is going to come – I think that's a, um, a key to victory for Michigan uh, is that they can handle line of scrimmage, even though on my keys to victory, I left that off. I'll get to that in a second. But I, I'm feeling pretty confident, man. Yeah, I just uh... – the more, the more and more I think about it, the more confident I feel that this is uh, this is a game where we belong. You know, obviously <laughs> at this point in the season, it would be absolutely heartbreaking to get there and not show up. Uh, you know, as you said early in, in the in the pod, that you know you're going to be there. Obviously, that would be absolutely heartbreaking, absolutely disappointing, just a gut wrench, uh, hard blow to to swallow, a hard pill to swallow if. if if Michigan just lays an egg, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I truly don't. Um, my, my feelings on it have completely um, been optimistic. So keys to victory. Uh, let's just go ahead and, and get right in. I'll start here. Keys to victory for Georgia. Um, force, force Michigan to, tur- to turn the ball over and could be completely one dimensional um, and get away from the run. Um, you stop, stop the run, um, and, and force Michigan into making and making coaching errors and, and poor decisions, similar to how they did at, at Michigan state, you know, uh, control the clock, run the ball down their throats, limit, uh, the big play over the top and and Georgia can win this game. Michigan, on the other hand, you're bringing the best offensive line in the country down to Miami. And despite what the people say, you're bringing the best defensive line in the country down to Miami. Show that. Dominate up front. Dominate on the on the on the defensive side of the ball. Um, bring the pressure because I don't think that Georgia has the offense that's that's scary. Shockingly, like I'm not even like like in the in my in my thought process of this game, I'm not thinking to myself, Michigan can't stop Georgia. I'm actually not scared about the defensive at all. I'm wondering how well Michigan will move the ball against Georgia's defense because I'm, I'm giving them some respect there. Um, I don't think Georgia's battle-tested. I think that's going to be a huge key to victory. I think Michigan, as I've alluded to way too many times, they're the best ugly team in the league, in the entire conference, in the entire country. They are the best ugly team, bar none. There's no one close. Um they don't get down. They, this team's different. They don't get heckled. They don't get altered. They come. They fight. They win. I mean, that's the game plan. Come in there, run it down their throats. And it seems like over the last several weeks, they've been able to showcase new things. You got to bring more. You got to bring out more. Whatever it is, uh, trick plays, big-time plays. Um, the way that Donovan Edwards has been used over the last month, has been tremendous. Uh, continue to use him in those ways. Blake Corum, um, get him mixed in as he gets more healthy. And don't forget about my boy Hassan. Feed him the rock. Feed Hassan the rock. And don't fall in love with being pretty. Be ugly. Punch him in the mouth. Don't be setting JJ in there when it's unneeded. Don't be getting in there and dropping back the pass three straight times when it's like, Come on, we're, we're a run team. So um, 
Those are my keys. Obviously, the defensive line creating turnovers too. Keys to victory. What do you got? All right. So for Georgia, I think Georgia uh, wins if the defense takes Quorum and Haskins away. Um, obviously, that has been Michigan's uh, backbone all season. And obviously, you know, obviously, if if the Georgia defense can can keep those two quiet. Uh, Lots going to be put on uh, Cade McNamara's shoulders. Now, Cade has shown that uh, he can handle that weight uh, at times, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think that uh, also is shutting down the crossing routes and the flats. You know, Michigan has has gotten some pretty uh, pretty good success with uh, the Donovan Edwards show and the flats, um, running out of the backfield, doing a little trickeration there. And the crossing routes has been really helpful with Schoonmaker and uh, Eric Hall, the tight ends. And if those seams and flats get taken away, uh, that's that could be something to, to look at. Um, and another is attack Michigan seams on offense with uh, their tight end, Brock Bowers. Uh, Brock Bowers, um, is, uh, let's see here, he's third in the nation at tight ends with yards, 791. And he is second in the nation with 11 touchdowns, and he has 47 receptions. Uh, the Bulldogs run 48% of their offense with two or three tight end sets. So we're going to see a lot of kind of almost like a Big Ten style offense with uh, with these Bulldogs. And I kind of mentioned it uh, briefly. I kind of hinted it uh, at the Iowa post game uh, pod that we did, and I mentioned Bowers could possibly be a big threat in this game. You know, Michigan all season long. They're, one of their one of their very uh, have a lot of weaknesses on defense this year, fortunately. But one of them is at times they give a lot of chunk plays up to the tight end, and it started with Washington at home this year with Kate Otten. Now, three receptions, yards seem like a lot, doesn't look like a lot, but when called upon, they they were timely and you know they did their job. And when they played against Iowa and Indy. Uh, Sam Laporta was six for 62. Now, Iowa, ball ton. They do a lot of bootlegs, and that caught Michigan off guard at times. So, Junior Colson, who's going to be probably targeted to, to guard Bowers, is going to have a task at hand. But anyways, moving on to uh, the keys for Michigan. Now, uh, first, uh, the first two are going to be kind of uh, – uh, obvious in my opinion, the bread and butter and the the bread and butter on defense is Ojawa Hutchinson. Uh, Stetson Bennett. Good as Kane McNamara. Kane McNamara is better. He's got the better stats to prove it. And Bennett, um, again, struggled against Bama. When Bama started lighting them up, answered them uh, through the air. And again, if if those two boys on our defensive line put him on his ass or make life hectic. And that's been, like I said, that's been our calling card all season. Uh, that's going to bode well for you of them. Um, going to the bread and butter on offense. For him. Again, like I said, when Georgia shuts those guys out, a lot is going to have to be relied on McNamara. But uh, with our offensive line, Boston, Ohio State, like they did. Boston, Wisconsin, like they did. Uh, Boston, uh, Iowa, like they did. I think we're pre- in pretty good shape here. And usually it seemed like in the season where Haskins, I mean, both Haskins and Gorm had, when they played, they had good games throughout. 
If it didn't show up in the yardage, it showed up in, in the touchdowns. If it didn't show up in the touchdowns, it showed up in the yardage. I think if one of them uh, has, flowing, uh, has a little slow going, I think the other one could pick up the slack. I like Corm, especially with um, the change of pace there. And my final key is uh, get Georgia. Play their run game. Their run game is not as good as Michigan's. Uh, Backs are pretty skilled and talented, but I just think that uh, if we make them have to throw, I think we're in good shape. Bowers is their leading receiver with uh, over 700 yards received. Like their wide receivers, I think is at like four or 500 and, and yardage. I think I think we're in pretty good shape too. And this is why I think that the game is going to be kind of what Michigan Penn State was where it's going to be mid to uh, late teens or in the low 20s. I think this is going to be a bloodthirsty game, and uh, that's the type of game that Michigan is going to win. Yeah, no, I 100%. So with everything you said, I mean, obviously, we'll go right into game predictions. I think that this is... I mean, my, my, my pre-New Year's resolution this year is to be more honest with myself. So uh, I thought Michigan was going to beat Ohio State, and I gave two game predictions. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to give my honest opinion. And uh, if, it, if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm, the reason I make this podcast is to give you my sports opinion. So here's that, here it is. Georgia has not played a team that is battle-tested like Michigan is. Michigan has proven to me time and time again this year that they are just different. This is a team that does not take shit from anyone. Um, it, 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 is, it is as battle-tested and as ugly proven as you can possibly be. I think there's a lot of things that they look at that they feel comfortable with going forward. Georgia's defense will be a factor. And I think Michigan will have ways to get them off balance so that the running game will be effective. And I don't think Georgia will have the long scoring drives or the success that they've had against these lower schools. I think Michigan wins this one and they cover and they went out right. I'm thinking I'm thinking Michigan like 27-17. I think they win by like 10. I think that I think Georgia's going to really struggle to score and I think if Michigan scores even 24 points, I think that'll be enough to win and I think they're going to I think they're going to score about 30. I think 31 This is going to be a tougher test, but I think that there's just going to be you'll be able to hit that knockout punch late in the game. When you know maybe you run a you run an offsetting play early in the game, where you, a trick play that just kind of gets them off balance, and you have success in the run game. Maybe you get a defensive score, which I I do believe that's very possible in this game. Um, I think Georgia is not ready for this. Uh, I think this is a this is we, we've been so good in narrative games this year that I'm not going to bet against them. I think the boys take care of business. I think they're. I think they show up big. I think this is a um, this is a futuristic game. This is this is a statement game. 
not even going to look at the national championship right now. I'm not even going to talk about that. I think that Michigan in the Orange Bowl against Georgia comes out big. I'm excited to see what kind of things they do to bring the extra swagger that they're going to need for this game, what the uniform combinations are going to be, um, you know, what what the what the play calling is going to be. But I, I believe it's going to be aggressive. I believe they come out and they try to take the top off, and then from then it's ground and pound, punch you in the mouth, and create disruption. And I think that the offensive line, defensive line take over, and Michigan wins this by 10, 27. 27-17 is my final. All right. Um, like I said, I'm pretty confident. I think um, to late fourth quarter drive from Georgia uh, is going to end in a uh, sack from one of our two dogs up front, or we're going to get a nice interception from Dak Till. Um, I think this is going to be 23-14 Michigan. I think it's going to be essentially a race to 21 points. And, you know, again, Georgia's offense. I just think Michigan's defense is going to be uh, the shining star here. And I think Michigan can establish the run game. And I think that 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 late turnover, that late stop is going to happen with U of M's defense and uh, we're going to be moving on to uh, the Natty against uh, well Nick Saban there. Doesn't seem real. All right. <laughs> uh, man. Time, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've gone long. We got a couple of mailbag questions, and then we will uh, we'll finish her up before we get going. Is there is there anything? Anything you want to add about either game, Michigan, anything? Not really. I think we we nailed everything on the head. I, I believe. Um, just win or lo- uh, win or loss. I'm, I'm just I'm just happy that I was able to uh, pull the strings and uh, get to Indy for a magical weekend, and uh, hopefully um, in Miami I get to experience the same thing. Yeah. Question number one, this one comes in from Jamie Lado. Jamie, thanks for the support. Go blue. Um, do you give Jimmy a raise, win or lose on Friday? So is Jim Harbaugh deserving of a raise after this season? What do you think? Uh, if he loses or in the natty, I think that nothing should change. Uh, contractually um if he wins the national championship i could see maybe in terms of years getting an extension but i think that it needs to stay um incentive based it's just my opinion i think that what i know this season has been unexpected for us fans and uh, i appreciate jim and we've said that in the last episode we kind of we, we forgive him from all the hardships that we've gone through uh, as a as a as a nation here, <clears throat> but to, to honor it in a way, but also uh, keep him hungry, keep the keep the the momentum going, and I think that is uh, not to reward him automatically with such a, a huge you know thank you. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to say we're not thankful, but 
Yeah, so I, we kind of agree, we kind of don't. So um, a loss to Georgia, because he's asking, do we give Jimmy a raise, win or lose Friday? So I'm just talking Florida here, or uh, Georgia here. If he loses the Georgia, contract stays exactly the same. Nobody's getting fired. Everything's fine. Okay. He beats Georgia, and he goes to the national championship. I think you consider... I think there's. I think he signed a four-year extension. Is that what it was with its all incentive base? Is that what? Is it four years or is it less? I can't remember. Regardless, <laughs> whatever the deal is, I think you fully guarantee it. No more incentive base if he beats Georgia. If he wins the national championship, not only do I think you make it fully guaranteed, I think you tack on some years and give him a raise. Period. He would be deserving of that. Um, a loss to Georgia, everything stays the same. So to to answer your question, Lado, if he beats Georgia, I think you, I think I don't think you give him necessarily a raise because that's what you're asking me. But I do think that you make him fully guaranteed. So I guess that is a raise in a way. But um, I don't think that you add extra money. I just think that you maybe, okay, you proved that you can do it, do it again, kind of deal, and we're just gonna pay you up front for it this time, especially, especially because he donated literally his entire raise this year. He's already donated it. So it's like at this point, I mean, okay, man, we, we get it. You're you're a Michigan man. You deserve this money. So I would totally be in favor of of taking that incentive and getting rid of it and just fully guaranteeing it. But I would totally be down for a contract extension, um, raising his his dollar amount to whatever the university sees fit if he wins a national championship. Uh, this one comes in from Kyle Miller. Um, if it's Cincy versus Michigan for the title, who wins? Un unbiased, unbiased. I'll start off. I, if Michigan gets to the national championship and it's against Cincinnati, I, I'm I'm sorry, they're not losing. I, I'm sorry, I'm th- that's not even biased. They're not losing. No, uh, I, yeah. I, if 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 that happens, I'll, I will refinance my house and buy a ticket to Indy to watch that shit. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you're gonna see. It, we didn't, we didn't cover too much in this. Obviously, we gave our predictions and keys of victory, but like, you're gonna see the disparity in in talent against Alabama and Cincinnati. But if Cincinnati were to somehow win, they would be doing so in an environment that's not even conducive. Like, there's. <laughs> When you go to a bowl game, it's supposed to be 50-50 fans. I will be in utter shock if Cincinnati even has 20% of that stadium. I would be in shock. I just think it's going to be completely Alabama-based, and and I think Alabama, like I already said, rolls. But if Cincinnati, because that's the question, if Cincinnati wins, I can't see them outselling the majority of the tickets for the national championship game. I just think that that Michigan would buy up all those tickets. It'd be a freaking home game. They'd be right back where they were two weeks ago. And the way that the Michigan culture has been moving and you have Michigan winning against Georgia at that point, they they feel invincible. I think they would, there's no way they're losing to Cincinnati. If that was the match, I'm sorry. I just, and that's, I'm not even being biased. I'm just giving it how it is. Michigan's waited too long. If that's the matchup, Sorry, Bearcats. It's a rough right. day. And, yeah, and 
like when I was at Indy, Michigan fans, if somehow the, the job done against Nick Saban, they go to, if those Michigan and Cincinnati are playing Indy, it's gonna be like ninety ten. Like Cincinnati, I mean, I don't know how big Cincinnati's is all the top of my head. What's their capacity? I'm like, even with the magical season that they had, I'm like, do they even sell out their games? You know, that, that I'm sure. You'll have fans travel, but not. It'll be. It's gonna be a home game for Bama. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Uh, this one literally just came in. <laughs> just came in. This one comes from Aaron Rollins, um, and we kind of slightly touched on this, but I don't want to make it about the Rose Bowl. I want to keep it specific to the question. How do you feel about players not wanting to play in bowl games to prepare for the draft? So let's not make it about Ohio State. Let's not make it about the Rose Bowl. Let's just talk specifically about the question. How do you feel about players not playing in bowl games to prepare for the draft? Meaning they're taking money in their future over their current situation. What's your opinion on that? I, like we, like I've, I've touched on it before in previous episodes, man. Um I see it. I under I, I respect their decision. If it yeah. happens to my, if it happens to my team, I'm I'm very disappointed, but I also respect it. It's very it's a very it's gray area, and um, that's just again that's why I I, I said earlier I'm like where we're we gonna be or where are we gonna be at in five six years? I don't know. Yeah, a couple different things. I'll I'll, I'll stay here. If they're gonna do it. Do it up front. Like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's shitty that these players wait until all the tickets are sold and these teams are prepping. It's just like, and obviously it can be an advantage for the school, but it could also be a disadvantage for the school because if the school thinks that, that those two players are, are at, not even, again, we're not getting away from them. If the, if the school thinks that those players are going to play, a player, multiple players, whatever, they're prepping with them. So, Get it out of the way ahead of time. Say, I don't plan on playing in this game. If it's, I'm not going to do it. Okay. And another thing is be upfront about it. You know, I, we talked about this. It's been a couple weeks now, but, um, and I loved Jabril Peppers. I thought he was a super exciting player, probably a little overhyped, but a great player at Michigan. Um, till this day, I, I, don't, I don't think we truly know if he actually was hurt before the bowl game. I think he was scared to tell Jim that he didn't want to play. Um, an injury that was completely ghost. It came out of nowhere. And right before kickoff, we find out he's not going to play. I would have just rather him say a month ago, you know what? It's been real. Not the season we expected. I'm going to move on to prepare for the draft. I would have totally understood that. But now I have like this somewhat sour taste in my mouth. Like, did you screw us? You know, did now Michigan ends up winning that game? I think it was against Florida, right? They beat Florida, mm-hmm. um, but it was just one of those things where I just be up front. You know, the, right. these Ohio, these Ohio State wide receivers up front. Um, unfortunately, it's only about a week of of prep time, um, but yeah, just just be upfront about it and, and say what what your what your goals are. And I respect it. Like, who am I? Who am I, Jeff Johnson? to tell somebody that the, that has the potential to co-make millions. You have to play in this football game. That means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. You must go play in the bold go daddy bowl. You must go play in the outback bowl. 
I'm sorry. I'm just like, don't don't matter. Right, and and um, when it comes down to, especially like with the with the NBA, the last you know was it five six years, the NBA has really pushed on uh, you know workload. Yeah, and if like two months in advance, you purchase tickets to go like a Detroit Pistons game, and you purchase tickets because uh, Steph Curry and the and the the Warriors are in town, or LeBron James the Lakers are in town, and two months goes by, you get to the game and you're like, and you hear right before the game, oh Steph Curry, he's sitting this one out, or LeBron James is sitting this one out, be kind of disappointed, right? It it kind of yeah, absolutely, especially if you're Um, a fan of that team. Not even just the Pistons. If let's say you're an actual Laker fan, you don't get to go to LA. You're in town, and you're like, "Hey, I really want to go see LeBron James." Yeah. And uh, like when we were talking about earlier with Ohio State and Utah, uh, Ohio State fans we you know travel extremely well, like Michigan does. And with those Ohio State fans that are going to go to Pasadena, um, as an Ohio State fan, that you're not you're a, a slightest bit bummed out that two of your best players aren't going to be playing that game. I'm like. I'd be definitely pissed off to spend thousands of dollars for that and they're not going to show up. But again, back the decision. So yeah, it's definitely a man kind of sucks, but understandable uh, issue. I, I, I see it getting better in only two different ways. A expanding the playoffs, but then those less meaningful games will be even less meaningful. But I, I do think that you're either going to play or you're not. So what, regardless of what the, the bowl situation is, I don't think that changes. But I do think if it's a playoff game, that changes, right? Mm-hmm. So at least, you'll at least have more than two meaningful playoff games. There'll be multiple. The second thing is the larger paydays of these, of these athletes. Um, you know, if these kids are <laughs> raking in you know, a million bucks, they, I'm not going to say you're set for life by having a million dollars because I truly don't believe that, but it's a lot of money, and um, maybe you do risk you know, some, some extra bag to play in that last game that means something to you if you're making the catch. Chances are if you're making that kind of catch, you're playing in a playoff game, but regardless, um, I think there's some opportunity there to you know, uh, you know, this kid's made a couple million dollars over his three-year stretch, and um, you know, he's only projected to be a third round pick and his salary next year is probably only going to be 750,000. Well, I made a million bucks this year. I'm okay to play, you know, but if you're, I'm sorry, if you're a first round talent, especially a top 10 pick, Garrett Wilson, Olave are both considered to be first round talents. Um, who knows who goes first, but we're, we're talking several million dollars here, especially uh, when you're a first round pick the way that the CBA is, is set up is the fifth year is completely guaranteed. If it's picked up, mm. we're, we're talking, we're talking big money. Then we're talking, that's your first big um, year salary before your next contract. So um, you definitely want to be a first round pick in today's NFL. And if sitting out of a bowl game does that for you, then I get it. And, and, and real quick too, like, uh, like, the like this year's peach bowl between Michigan state and Pittsburgh, yeah, that game, that game loses a lot of its his pizzazz because Kenny Pickett's not playing. So, and neither is Kenneth Walker on the other side. The two best players in the game, especially right there, is not watch for a majority of the of America. The people that are not Michigan State or uh, Pittsburgh uh, Panther fans, why yeah. the hell am I going to watch that game? When yeah, you're right. Two of the, the the team's best players aren't playing. That's essentially now the Music City Bowl. I don't give a shit. 
Yeah, it, it, it truly, that game took a step back when they lost Kenneth Walker, and then with Kenny mm-hmm. Pickens, that out, it's like, this game literally means nothing now. We, mm-hmm. and, and you could argue, you could truly argue that without <laughs> those two team players on each of those squads, those are 500 ball clubs, and that's not even a good football game now. Yep, not even. I mean, truly, if you're not a fan of those two teams, you're you're you might not watch that. I mean, it's it took a big a big kick to the nuts, and that's just the way that the game is moving to. That, that and that's uh, uh, that's tomorrow night, and that is the 7 p.m. spot on ESPN. That was their primetime game because they got <laughs> for two in Tennessee at three. And then they have Wisconsin, Arizona State at ten thirty. That beautiful was ESPN's baby, and I ain't watching that shit. I'll be on a, I'll be on an airplane anyway. But nobody gonna watch that if you're not a fan of that team. And the thing is, is obviously when when the Peach Bowl is is selected with their teams, ESPN probably fist pumped. Like we're getting the potential top quarterback in this year's draft playing on our channel at seven o'clock. On a Thursday night, that's primetime TV, baby, ESPN, right? And who are they going against? But an up-and-coming Big Ten team. Big Ten loves their football, right? And they typically watch other Big Ten. And we are a potential Heisman candidate who had a great season. That's a good watch. Kenneth Walker going to be in the league next year? Now it has nothing. It has no sizzle. It, it doesn't get turned on. Mm-hmm. So, well, um... Holy cow. We're here. Friday night's the Friday night's the big one. So that's pretty much a wrap. Anything uh, in closing? Oh, not at all, my man. Just uh, you personally, just keep an eye on uh, on my Snapchat because I'll be hitting you all up uh, on Friday, whatever. But, um, but yeah, man, it, uh, it, it was, uh, it's been a great season, man. And like I said, win or lose, um, I'm going to enjoy myself. And at least I, I say I did it. I've never been to a bowl game, and so just be, be nice to be down there. And hey, in Southeast Michigan right now, it is twenty some degrees and freezing rain. So I'll be down for some eighty degree weather and some shorts. Yeah, you know, you picked a hell of a bowl game to to go to. So at the end of the day, I've I've already told myself that this team has exceeded my expectations, um, which were average expectations for the year they exceeded them when gosh when they beat wisconsin on the road they exceeded them when they beat penn state on the road um and they sure as hell exceeded them when they put the boots to ohio state's ass um they exceeded them when they went to indy for the first time and they exceeded when they blew out iowa for the big 10 championship they exceeded them by just getting to the college football playoffs and I think they'll exceed them again when they beat Georgia this weekend. So um, very happy. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, I hope you guys are, are digging what we're doing, digging the the other talk if you're not a Michigan fan about some other schools. And um, hopefully you guys had a great 2021 and carry into 2022 any kind of momentum or New Year's resolution that you have and you, the things you want to change. I hope that you to do that. Hope you continue to listen to Real Talk. And uh, – Yeah, I think we'll see you guys next time. All right. Go blue. Go blue. Real talk.